We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. Uh, this is session four. God is exclusive. Salvation includes entering into an exclusive covenant with God. I know Chris has been talking about it uh, lately. America has gotten away from the idea that the point of salvation is not to be saved from hell, but it is to join in a relationship with God. Amen. And um, we're going to see that they had the same problem in Jeremiah's day. They just wanted to be saved from destruction by other nations and stuff like that. They didn't have really the concept of heaven and hell. But they knew that God was protecting them. But that was all they were interested in. They didn't want the relationship that's with this, them. That's the so here we go. Um, we don't use the word covenant today, do we? We don't hear that word in our society. What words do we use that is the same thing as a covenant, though? Contract. Contract. Exclusive contracts. I have the exclusive contract with Nike for this pair of shoes, and you can only buy them at that store um, and stuff. But what does exclusive mean? Elite. Elite? So, solely. Solely. Yeah, there you go. Solely. What else? How else would we describe it? Huh? Only. Only. It shutting everything else out. Shutting everything else out, yeah. When, when you have uh, an exclusive contract, you shut everything else that is similar out. The only time we really talk about a covenant is typically when we get married. Married. We have a marriage covenant. You know, pastors will get up and talk about it. The idea would be that it's exclusive, right? That you're married to that person and only that person and, and all that. But that's the only place we actually really talk about that. But in business, we talk about the exclusive contracts. I mean, let's take football players. They don't play for any team. On, they don't just decide Sunday morning where they're going to play, do they? No. Some do. <laughs> Some say, no, I don't want to play today. Well, that's just deciding not to play. But they don't come up, they don't show up and go, you know what, I'm going to play for the other team. Yeah. Right. They have an exclusive contract. They play for whoever until the terms of the contract are met or broken or whatever, yeah. uh, depending on who it is. Well, that's, that's what we're talking about. It's an exclusive covenant with God. That was what his vision was. That was what his... Um, plan was with Israel. And it wasn't happening, was it? That's what Jeremiah is dealing with. As we move through, we were in chapter 7 last week, um, and we saw what happened there. The latter half of chapter 7, um, God is going to talk about how the Valley of Hinnom will now be... Oh, I guess the valley, what's the valley? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now the valley of slaughter that uh, they're going to be killing the children, which the valley of Hinnom became um, 
a place where you would go to sacrifice your children. They would put them uh, in the fire to the god Moloch or Chimonth um, and sacrifice them. And that's, the, God is going to continue to talk about how it's going to get worse. But this is choices that they're making that, that God actually isn't doing. He's just, you know, this is what you're going to do. with it. It's going to become known as the Valley of Slaughter. Chapter 8 they're going to be uh, full of sin and treachery. He's describing the people. Because they have walked away from God and his vision for their nation, they begin walking as they feel they should be able to do or be allowed to do. And this is what it's going to lead to, is sin and treachery. And it's funny, let's look at our world today. People are living however they feel like living, aren't they? And we have a world full of sin and treachery. Just look at what's going on. The number of CEOs, politicians, living however they think they can want. Um, right now they're going after the Texas AG. He had multiple cell phones, trying to keep an affair hidden and all that. Sin and treachery. And it, it, the, the world, everybody, this is not just the powerful and the mighty. This is affecting the everyday people. Are living lives this way and they're making choices in this and God describes that in chapter 8 Jeremiah then in the second half of chapter 8 he begins grieving for the people uh, he's upset that this is the way it's going because it could be so much better if we just lived the way God wanted us things would be really good but we don't like that, do we? We don't want to be told how to live. We want to, we want to make the choices on our own, and they're going that way, and Jeremiah sees it, and he grieves for the people. Then we get to chapter 9, and um, God asks, the, he poses this question to the nation of Israel or the nation of Judah, uh, are you wise? I mean, look at your lives. Look at what's going on. How does this make you wise? I mean, look, look at our world. We think we're so wise. Mm -hmm. All these people with all their opinions, all you have to do is get on social media. Oh, I know what I'm talking about and all that. You know, it's funny. Then a couple of years go by and studies are done, and they're like, no, this actually wasn't really a good idea, was it? It's funny. It all comes yeah. back to, you know, oh, yeah. God designed the world a certain way. Yeah. In the 70s, it was global cooling. We're going to go into an ice age. Well, it's not even just that. Then. And now it's global warming. They, they've done these studies. The, the happiest people, the, at least among men, the happiest men are people in a monogamous marriage relationship long term. Yeah. They're the happiest people. Well really? Wow. <laughs> if you watch the news media and the movie industry, the happiest people should be the uh, high-flying, you know, do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it, and all that. But they're not. They're miserable. God says, no, you're not happy. You're not uh, wise. Um, none, of that, none of that's true. That's uh, through chapter 9. We've got a couple more here. We've got chapter 10. Um, we see that they are living with idols and the living God. They're trying to get the best of both worlds. Sounds like our world today, doesn't it? It's the American church. We're trying to live in the world, and we're trying to live in God. And we're straddling that fence, and we're failing miserably both ways, aren't we? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And the reality is, is God's not going to allow it. God wants an exclusive contract. He's exclusive. <coughs> We're going to talk more of that because that's what's in chapter 12. But here it is in chapter 10. You can't live with idols and you can't live with God at the same time. Pick one. Do one or the other. Chapter 11. God's going to go into the whole thing, the broken covenant. And he's going to lay it out. God is so disgusted by the broken covenant, he's going to tell Jeremiah, do not pray for these people. <laughs> How bad has it got to be when God says, don't pray for them? I won't hear the prayers you offer up for these people because they have broken my covenant. Got to wonder if he says the same thing today. Yeah, I've got to wonder about that. Uh, I mean, this that, that's how serious it is. I mean, when God is not, when God's saying, don't, don't bother praying, I don't want to hear from you. Serious me. bad news. That, yeah, that's serious bad news. We, we do see it in the New Testament. There is one instance where God says, don't, don't pray. And it's when husbands aren't treating their wives properly. That's interesting. Well, chapter 11 comes to a head at the end. And Anathoth begin the town. That's his town town, right? We talked about it on the first uh, lesson. Uh, Jeremiah goes home for whatever reason. And uh, they begin to threaten him. They view him as the problem. Now, he's a priest. This is a priestly controlled town. So these are his own people. This is family. Many of them are going to be extended family, cousins uh, and the like. And they threaten Jeremiah. Jeremiah is troubled by the actions of his fellow citizens and family though. Let me read it to you from chapter 11. Uh, I'm reading verses 21 through 23. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the men of Anathoth, who seek your life and say, Do not prophesy in the name of the Lord, or you will die by our hand. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine, and none of them shall be left. For I will bring disaster upon the men of Anathoth, the year of their punishment. Remember back when we started Jeremiah. What did Jeremiah or what was promised to Jeremiah by God? serve God and he wouldn't have to worry God would defend him here it is chapter 11 we're only 11 chapters in and his own family his own friends the people he grew up with are threatening do not 
prophesy in the name of the Lord or you're going to die by our hands. We're going to kill you. Quit making these proclamations from God. We don't want to hear from him. These guys are priests. You understand what we're talking about. These are the servants supposedly of God. Their, their job is to lead the nation in worship and they're like, we don't want to hear from God. If anybody should have been interested in what Jeremiah has to say, it should be these people. And they're like, no. And God says, don't worry about it. I got you. I am going to bring disaster on them. The men are going to die by the sword, and the rest of them are going to die of hunger. It's getting serious, isn't it? All right. Comment, question on our build up to chapter 11 or chapter 12. Serious times. This is where we're at. This is what's going on. And it's so much like our world today. It's amazing how it really doesn't change. All right. Let's go. Chapter, <laughs> chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Somebody read those for us nice and loud. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you. Yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth and far from their heart. But you, O Lord, show me. You see me and test my heart toward you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it, the beasts and the birds are swept away, because they said, he will not see our latter end. I love this part. Where'd it go? Jeremiah's conclusion. 
Sleep. Yeah. Drag him off and kill him. I'm with Joe. I'm with uh, Jeremiah here. <laughs> These people aren't doing. God, why don't you just drag him off and kill him? Do away with them. It's funny. This is the question that gets asked over and over. Look in our world. Who's prospering? The corrupt politicians. Yeah. Corrupt politicians. <laughs> Most of the, you know, the, the immoral Hollywood acolytes. The actors that are immoral. Yeah. Sports, sports people that are morally bankrupt. How many more times do we have to see a guy who beats his girlfriend gets a $50 million a year contract because he can run a ball? Right. Yeah. Well, you've got missionaries and pastors and all that struggling to make a buck. And soldiers. And, well, yeah. yeah. But there's, yeah. Just, what's the deal with these? Here's the thing, though. If you're feeling impatient with God in this in this scenario, what is it that's bothering you? These people wouldn't listen. They don't want to listen to him. Um, it might be an area that God's trying to grow you in. Because <laughs> it's usually the same area that they you're struggling. I know. Look, I'm making the right choice. And I'm not prospering. Yeah, and I'm not prospering. They're making the wrong choice. They're doing well. It's kind of like uh, you ever buy a purple car, and then all of a sudden, all you see on the road are purple cars. <laughs> there aren't more. Cars. Well, because it's odd color. <laughs> but it's not that there are more of them. It's that because you bought one, you're now aware of them. Yeah. Yeah. Any car. Uh, is it because we're struggling with the same thing that we're making the right choices and we're not doing well? And those people that are not making the right choice, I, I think it kind of goes the same way, doesn't it? We recognize the sin in other people that we're struggling with, and we see that they're not doing it the way God says, and we become keenly aware that, hey, they're not doing it the right way, and they're doing really well. Look how well they're doing, and I'm not. And I, I think we struggle with that. I think it really is an issue. Um, and, yeah, we just want to drag them off and kill them. The wicked often come through judgment better than the righteous. It's a reminder that this is not our home. Yep. That's what that that's where we've got a key to. This isn't our home. God brings judgment on people, and we see it over and over again in Scripture. He sends famines and all this. Who who's the ones that, that suffer the most? The righteous. The righteous, those who are willing to live by the rules, those who are not willing to live by the rules, seem to come out unscathed, don't they? They got more money, they got more property. They're the ones buying it up because you know everybody's starving to death. But they got. Have you ever watched It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, who Who's the character that that does that? Huh? That's, that's the, the mean guy. The mean guy, the bank. Mr. Potter. Potter. Yeah, the, the collapse of the stock market happens. It's the de depression. He bought up everything in town because everybody was desperate for money. He was paying 50 cents on the dollar for shares in the, uh, the company. He seems to come out better than um, 
George. George, doesn't he? Because he's got all the money and all the hoo-ha and everything. Um, but he doesn't play by the rules, does he? No. There's nothing fair, nothing equitable about him and all that. It's because this isn't our home. We're, we're not here for the long haul. This isn't all there is. We're not living for this life. Remember, what does Christ tell us? We're supposed to store up treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor thief. Yeah. How much treasure is somebody like Mr. Potter going to have? <laughs> yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not living for the next life. Not my home. I'm just a traveling through. Exactly. Carrie Underwood sings a song, Temporary Home. <laughs> this, I, this is a hard thing to keep in mind, though. I mean, it really is. Yeah. We have to wake up every morning thinking this. Uh, that's what makes us different from the rest of the world. It's not that we are goody two-shoes and follow all the rules. It's that we're working for a different kingdom. We're storing up for a different kingdom. We're not living <coughs> here. And right now, we've got a long-term plan. Comments, questions before we move on. So Go ahead, Cindy. I think as believers, we forget who we are in Christ. We've got to be reminded. I think that's why the trials and tribulations come, because we've got to be reminded over and over and over again that he's got us, but we just got to believe it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the trials and tribulations come anyway. I mean, Paul certainly never forgot. <laughs> and he, I don't know anybody that suffered more than he did. But, yeah, it is. You're absolutely right. This is what we've got to constantly remember. And it's the same thing for poor Jeremiah. Jeremiah's got the same issue. He just went home for the holidays, and they're threatening his life. It wasn't all, what, what is it, the... Uh, um, Hallmark Channel Warm Fuzzies, was it? No. He's run out of town on a rail. All right. Jeremiah chapter 12, verses 5 and 6. Somebody read those for us. If you had rail on foot and they had wearied you, how would you compete with horses? And if in a safe land you are so trusting, that will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers and the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. They are in full cry after you. Do not believe them, though they speak friendly words to you. All right. This is God's response. Jeremiah posed the question, why do the wicked prosper? Why do they do so well? And all that. This is God's answer. And uh, it, it's kind of... We gotta, we gotta look at this, take it apart a little bit. How can you race if you've raced with men on foot and are tired? How are, how are you gonna race with horses? The idea is, is if you can't, you know, what are you gonna do with professionals? <coughs> if you think it's bad now, wait till you get to the professionals. It's kind of like, you know, you, you go to work and you got, you got evil people there. I mean, they're they're li not living the way they should and all that. But then you get you start looking at the politicians like. Man, they really know how to live in sin. <laughs> They're the professionals. How are you going to contend with them, Jeremiah? You're a prophet. Your job is to deal with these people. You can't deal with the, the lowly yokels in your small town. I'm sending you to Jerusalem to deal with the really corrupt. Um, 
they're uh, they're going to be really bad. Um, trusting, you're in a land that's safe and trusting versus the thicket of the Jordan. The Jordan being the the river down by the river. It was very. It wasn't a jungle, but it was that kind of lushness. There were a lot. That's where all the the um, big cats lived and stuff because game is plentiful, and that's what he's comparing it to. Uh, what are you going to do when you're down in the wilds? Uh, if the land, the farmland that's you know got shepherds and all that is, you think it's safe and all that there, and you're complaining. What are you going to do when you get into the wild areas? Um, so really, it comes down to this question. God asks him a question. Are you capable? Jeremiah asked, why do, they, why do they do so well, the wicked, the unjust? God says, well, are you capable of dealing with these guys? Um, he says, it's going to get worse. I mean, you, you grew up in a nice, safe community. Wait till you get to the big city. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, the little country preacher out in the little town in the Midwest where it's all nice and all that and he goes to the big city and he thinks he's going to just, he's going to change it for Jesus, right? <laughs> and what happens? The big city eats you up, right? That's what he's saying. It's going to get worse. You're going you're gonna to really run into it. God's point, trust me. Trust God, not your family. Don't, don't put your trust in your, your family, your community. Yeah, they're all priests. And yeah, they were all loving and all that, but you're you're serving me now, and they're not gonna they're they're not happy about it. You need to be, it's me that's gonna protect you. Trust God. Are you capable? No, God is. Isn't that what Paul tells us? Wow, it's amazing how much Paul is like Jeremiah, isn't it? You gotta kind of wonder. Paul Paul knew knew Jeremiah, didn't he? Yeah. And he took it and he put it in terms of Christ for us. Because the same word, we're seeing the same words, aren't we? It's not new. Paul isn't giving us anything new, and that's what he's been telling in the synagogues. This isn't new. I'm just telling you who it's about. Here he is in the flesh. It's Jesus. Trust him. He's the guy. It's not your family. It's not your community. It's not your church. It's not your friends. We put our trust in him, in that exclusive relationship. It's him. He's the one that does it for us. Everything from salvation to providing for our needs. When we start looking at others and other people and other things for our provision instead of him, we become just like Israel. God made the land plentiful, a land flowing with milk and honey. And we're going to see he's going to dry it all up. It's all going to disappear and go. Questions or comments? Hmm. <clears throat> all right. I love how the New Testament mirrors the Old Testament. It just gives us more specifics. Jeremiah chapter 12, 7 through 13. I have forsaken my house. I have abandoned my heritage. I have given the beloved of my soul into the hands of of her enemies. My heritage has become to me like a lion in the forest. She has lifted up her voice against me, therefore I hate her. Is my heritage to me like a hyena's lair? 
Are the birds of the prey against her all around? Go, assemble all the wild beasts, bring them to devour. Many shepherds have destroyed my vineyard. They have trampled down my portion. They have made my pleasant portion a desolate wilderness. They have made it a desolation. Desolate, it mourns to me. The whole land is made desolate, but no man lays it to heart. Upon all the bare heights in the desert, destroyers have come. For the sword of the Lord devours from one end of the land to the other. No flesh has peace. They have sown wheat and have reaped thorns. They have tired themselves out, but profit nothing. They shall be ashamed of their harvests because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Who's talking here? Who is this that's making these claims? God. God. This is God. He is still speaking. I have forsaken my house. Who's his house? Israel. The nation of Israel. They were his. I have abandoned my heritage. I have given the beloved of my soul into her enemies. You go down to verse the end of verse 8. Therefore, what does he say? I hate her. I hate Israel. I hate my people. This is his, this was his prized possession. Because they're not living correctly, they're not living in the covenant relationship he created. They've said, he calls it in verse 11, they've made it a desolation. It's desolate. What we see here in this lament, God is abandoning her. He's abandoning the nation because they won't follow the covenant. He demanded an exclusive relationship with them. They're not following it. They're not living it. And they've gone after all these other gods. We know that, that he's going to bring this judgment on them. And he's going to, and this is where Paul gets a lot of these ideas. The Gentiles are brought into the covenant. They're grafted in. Because they abandoned it. They left it. God chucks them out. Yes, God is abandoning them. By the people of Judah, his beloved, those people, they made the choice to not follow the covenant. He says that scavengers pick over God's beloved. He's going to give them their what they want. You want to worship idols? You want to live the way you want to live? You don't want to live the way I've told you to live? And all that? Fine. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be wiped out. I am removing my protection from you. He talks about the shepherds made her desolate. The word shepherd in the Orient, in the Near East, referred to kings, leaders, and elders. So the shepherds are, these are the leaders that are making her desolate. They're doing this. They're not listening. They're not obeying. They're not following. Kind of sounds like our world today, doesn't it? Our leaders 
have abandoned God and they're taking us with them, aren't they? Mm -hmm. They think they know better. They keep looking at other gods, aren't they? It's no longer the moral code of our Constitution that runs this country. It's these socialistic ideas it's the amendments. that they have chased after, <laughs> many of which have come from Europe after the Enlightenment. The, we call it the Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. uh, the philosophies, those empty philosophies of Marx and Bertrand Russell and Kinkergaard and so many of those academics that came up with all these new ideas and weren't they so bright and shiny and that, that we, we need to incorporate them. If you look back in history, you can see how they developed into our nation and how we have fallen prey to these ungodly ideas that became humanism. We used to think Humanism was what they had in the Soviet Union, right? They, they were humanists, they were socialists, they were communists, you know, all of that. And it has totally permeated our culture today. We are so self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about what we can do for everything. We've got people out there now that are saying, you know what, we just need to kill off all the people so we can save the planet. Yeah. <laughs> What's the point of the planet? God told us. It was for us. And we're supposed to be its steward, mind you. But the steward doesn't kill himself off to make it to, to you know, save the stewardship. Yeah. We change how we live to be a better steward. But, but this is what they're, this, you've got people out there, they're teaching this in schools. Yeah. Uh, that the world would be better off without humans. That we're a plague, we're a virus. Uh, you know, on the planet, that it would be so much better off, and all. That. It's funny because there are certain animals that couldn't live without us. Yeah. Sheep being one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, they, they require somebody to shepherd them. Um, but we're seeing it here that Jeremiah's day, they've taken up all these ideas from all these other cultures that look so much better. It, it could be so much. We, we, can, we can do this, that, and the other thing. And God will be okay with that. God said, no, we're not. No, it isn't. It's not okay with him. A little piece of doctrine this morning. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation. We only ever think about temptation, don't we? <laughs> that active being, trying to, no, I'm not going to do this sin. But there's the sin that comes through neglect. Usually it has to do with things that God tells us to do. Which when we don't do what God tells us to do, it's sin. We don't talk about those sins. He tells us we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to treat people this way and all that. We neglect doing it. We're sinning. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the spirit. Yeah, sin grieves the spirit, doesn't it? They grieve the spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach, not on themselves, on the cause of Christ, and temporal judgments on themselves. Yet 
they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We got to repent. When we repent, God gives us grace, doesn't he? We're falling into temptation through, or we're falling into sin through temptation and neglect. And we're impairing Christ. Do we want to have an impact in our world today? We keep looking at it going, what's going on? I think the problem is, is that the sin of neglect has affected the church today. The churches are, are, a lot of them are circling the wagons. They're making this tight little communities and all that. And we're having no effect in the real world because we were never called to circle the wagons. We were called to the hard life of living the proper way in and amongst regular people so that they would see it. So that they would know that there was a difference. The problem is, is the world doesn't know that there's a difference. The problem with circling the wagons, we end up starting to sin against each other and we lose what John told us to do, love one another. Don't we? We, we start getting too close and too tight and we start fighting and all that. And it, it gets bad. I think that's what's happening to our world. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation whereby they grieve the spirit and impair their graces and comforts and bring reproach on the cause of Christ. I think that's what's happening. We're, we're, we're in this cycle. We've got issues, don't we? Comments, questions? Go ahead, sir. Is there any place in the, else in the Bible that God said that he hated? Oh, sure. There, okay. Because it mm -hmm. just seemed like yeah, it, it, some strong language. Yeah. It, it, it's not the only place that he talks about it. Okay. He talks about hating um, Esau. But yeah, Jacob and yeah. Esau, the twins. Okay. Yeah, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Yeah, okay. yeah it, it's not the only places. And he talks about how he hates the sin and stuff over and over again. But yet people think that God... No, no, it's all love. Yeah. And I never remembered that he had hated yeah, there are, there are things he hates. He's got some very specific... God is love. Yeah. That, that's why Chris makes the fun of it, is because they don't they misunderstand God. And I think he enjoys making fun of it. Well, the, the problem is... Well, see, making the point. But I, I grew up Catholic, like he did, where God is wrathful and, judging and, and, and a judge and all that. I mean, you have to understand that that idea influenced the whole nation for many generations that God was this wrathful judge and he was just sitting there waiting to go aha and bring it bring judgment on you and that was how especially through the 50s we as people viewed God as this and then came the 60s and the Jesus movements and all that which swung that pendulum of this wrathful judgmental God to the God, you know, to Jesus who actually cared and loved and all that. The problem is, is now that pendulum is swung clean up to the other side where God is only love. And then anything I do is okay with him because he loves me and all that. Where the pendulum is there. Somewhere in the middle is where reality is that God does love us and, and all that and cares and, and all that. But he's still, he's still going to punish sin. I mean, right now, 
nobody thinks God's going to punish sin, but there really isn't. He, they're just uh, <clears throat> suggestions <clears throat> of a good way of living. And that there's, we can do anything we want, and God will be okay with it. This whole inclusiveness concept. But it's because that pendulum, it, it tends to swing uh, back and forth. There's a scripture that says that um, who God loves, he chastens. Yeah. And that includes us. You know, there was a verse in Psalm 119. Uh -huh. It is good for me that I've been afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I <laughs> oh, went astray. We don't think affliction is good for us. No, that's not good for me. Yeah, it is. No, he doesn't love me if he's... Yeah, well, that's... Well, look at the parenting <laughs> styles that are out there now. Don't punish the child. Just talk them through right. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, punishment. This is why we don't, you know... Oh, don't send them to jail. It's not, yeah, we, we just need to, yeah. They need therapy. Yeah. We can, we, well, they may need that too, but they also <laughs> they need, that, they, they need the judgment. Exactly, exactly. I, That's why this is a piece of doctrine. Good. This is a, the, the, you, you can take it to the bank. That's why I etch it on stone for you. Because these things are true. Throughout scripture, it's true. We see it both in the Old and New Testament. It hasn't changed. The idea is that the New Testament has made it personal to us as Jesus came to make it so that it would be written on our hearts and not just on tablets. All right, a couple things to take with us and we'll be done. First of all, we can trust God to be just in his dealings with all people. It may seem that they are getting away with murder. It may seem that they are prospering and growing and all that. They're going to be judged. There will be a judgment day. There will be a moment when they will answer for everything they've done. Secondly, we must faithfully put our trust in God because we are weak. We have to stand on him. I can't do it myself. If I rely on myself, I fail. And then I'll have to compromise. And that means I'm going down the way of the world, aren't I? I make deals and I make uh, allotments for things. But if we stand in God, just as Jeremiah had to, he'll protect it. Finally, God expects us to be faithful to him alone. He's my rock. He's my refuge. He is what I stand upon. No matter what the storm does, no matter what trials or tribulations come, my faith is in Him. Not Social Security, <laughs> not the government. Not, it, it's Him. It has to be Him. Let's pray. Father, allow us the strength that we may represent you and stand in you in this storming world that's raging around us. Lord, it goes in so many directions that you would not have it to go. Lord, hold us to the path, to the way that you've given to men, that we may have a good life that honors you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.